yeah, there's so many good studios. That I'm just like, yeah, please keep feeding, keep feeding my brain. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice sure. to, it's a nice perspective to have too. Cause there's just having people that inspire you just keeps you like you were talking about earlier. Like, all right, cool. Yeah. The bar yeah, just yeah. got, the bar just got raised. All right. Yeah. And I, I got to work harder. Exactly. Exactly. And I admire the hell out of that work, but, um, yeah, I want to. What did Kendrick say? I want to make sure your fans never heard of you before. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hello, welcome to Overshare, a show where I interview creatives I admire about the struggles of being a creative professional. I'm your host, Justin Genak, and I'm also the co-founder and CEO of Working Not Working. Now, if you've been listening these past few weeks, you know I've been doing my part socially distancing, and I hope you have been as well. So, I am still recording this from my bedroom closet, full of pillows and covered in a wool blanket terrible posture i think my my left foot starting to fall asleep but you know we're getting through this and uh we're holding up all right over here right before the social quarantine all went down my my girlfriend ashley and i just moved in together and so we are uh you know putting it to the test but we are surviving and we're still getting along we still like each other still having fun so that's a uh, that's a relief hopefully you're doing okay as well is anybody out there listening to this and uh, in lockdown with their significant significant other or a roommate. Uh, I've noticed now that actually she's never worked from home before, but she is the type of person to yell at a Zoom call all day. She doesn't really get the concept of amplification and microphones. And I just noticed that I'm starting to whisper so she can't hear me saying that in the other room. Uh, but it's all good. It's all good. We're having fun. Now, uh, Working Not Working has been doing a great job with virtual hangouts pretty much every day. Been doing yoga and breath work and doodling with John Bergman. And tomorrow we're doing a lettering workshop with Lauren Hom. And if you want to get in on any of this and, and see some other shining creative faces and get a little bit of an escape, sign up for a creative profile on workingnotworking.com. We'd love to have you. You can also follow Working Not Working on Instagram at WNotW to find out when some of our events, we do open some of them up to the public and put them on our Instagram stories. And you can also follow Overshare on Instagram at Overshare Talks. And while you're at it, please subscribe, rate, and review Overshare. It's the way to uh, help us boost up in the search results and help other people uh, discover the podcast. So we'd love for you to help us out there. Now let's get into this episode. Today, my buddy Jonathan Jackson is on the show. I'm excited to have him. We've known each other since 2006 when we both won the Art Directors Club Young Guns. And we are also both huge Boston Celtics fans because we're very smart and we know how to pick winners. And as soon as this is all over, the Celtics are going to win and everyone's going to be shocked. I'm counting on that, or at least counting on going to some playoff games with Jonathan. So now it's funny how there are some things you don't find out about your friends until you interview them. Now, maybe everyone should do that. Maybe find a friend now, ask, ask them their life story while you have some downtime. Or maybe do it on like Instagram Live so it feels more official and uh, you know you can save it for posterity. But you don't really find out these things until you uh, until you interview your friend and re- record it for a podcast. Like I didn't know that Jonathan moved school so often. He went to four high schools. And as a kid, I moved schools a lot too. I think I moved five different times. So I got used to being the extroverted new kid too. So we bond over that. Also, I didn't know that one of his go-to karaoke songs is also Usher like me. Except he knows all the dance choreography from the video, so I really got to step my game up now. Um, what I did know is that Jonathan is the co-founder and partner at We Should Do It All, which he started with his wife, Sarah Nelson Jackson. And the name is born out of a simple intention that designers should not be confined to a single expertise. It was inspired by a passage in the book Time Enough for Love by Robert A. Heinlein, 
which I'll read you the passage now, which I I think is really uh, poignant and really inspiring. A human being should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. Specialization is for insects. What a great quote. So with that in mind, We Should Do It All has dabbled in a little bit of everything from branding, spatial, environmental, interactive, and print projects. They've worked with collaborators like Nike, the National African American Museum of History and Culture, Spotify, Samsung, and ESPM. In this episode, you will learn the power of not having a self-limiting mindset and how important it is to have diverse voices in the room when creating design and culture. Enjoy this conversation with the wise, Celtics-loving, usher-singing, talented Mr. Jonathan Jackson, and keep an eye out for a cameo from his adorable four-year-old son, Asa. Jonathan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for accommodating us. I know we were going to do this in person in the studio, and, uh, you know, the the situation has, has, has shifted a little bit, but we're uh, we're making it happen. You you look nice and cozy, yeah. On, up in uh, upstate New York, yes. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I thought we would be turning this into a, a sports podcast with our with our Celtics vibes, but uh, we, we should. My, my have times have changed. <laughs> I, I know we suddenly, we suddenly have different priorities now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I was going to wear my Celtics hoodie just to like remind us of, <laughs> of our love of yeah. We, and we've been to a, you know a game, a game, two games together. Uh, one. Uh, we need to go no, to another, but yeah. When, when it comes back, we'll go to another one. But yeah, we we we, we bet on winners, and yeah. we know the Celtics are going to win it this season whenever it starts again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're going to start this off with uh, a new segment that we call five random questions. Five random questions from a random receptacle. So I have this. Uh, uh, empty Nike box from the uh, Be Like Mike Gatorade edition. Ah, nice. I'm just going to pull some questions out of here. It's very exciting. I'm just going to I'm going to pull on one randomly for you. If you were here, you would do it, but gotcha. I want to do it for you. So let's see what Perfect. we got. Um, All right, let's do it. All right. Uh, this question is: uh, Did you or do you currently have an imaginary friend? Yeah. <laughs> I don't now, but I I definitely did growing up. I don't did know you? how. Yeah, I don't know how long it lasted. I don't even remember it. He, she, they, his name, but uh, uh, definitely had an imaginary friend as an only child growing up. I mean, it's just like, yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do and make things work. And I and, mm-hmm. I, and I watch our son now. I feel like he has, he's talking to someone too. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, he hasn't shared who it is yet. But yeah, I definitely. But, had that. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. So you don't remember any specifics at all? Like I don't. I mean, I, I could say that I was probably in Germany and a little bit in Mount Vernon, New York, uh, where where I had an imaginary friend for sure. What, uh, what were you doing? What were you doing in Germany? Um, my <clears throat> stepfather was in the military at the time. Okay. So my my mom and myself were over there with him in Frankfurt uh, on an army base, and I have German cousins. Um, they're, they're still there. Um, yeah, one of them played for their um, their uh, Olympic basketball team before Dirk. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I was, I was pretty young, but uh, I definitely remember those days. How long were you over there? 
I want to say it was three years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and are you pretty fluent in German stuff? No, no. Ne- I never was. I, I was over there from ages maybe two to five. Oh, okay. And my mom speaks pretty good German. Uh, of course, my uncle, who who used to be there, um, uh, he speaks fluent. But, yeah, um, I need to get back over there, though. Yeah. yeah. Hey, have you been since? To Germany? No. Yeah. Surprisingly, uh, no. Uh, yeah, you definitely got to get over there. It's, yeah. uh, it's yeah. an amazing place. Yeah. All right. We got next question. In high school, you should have been voted most likely to what? Wow. Um, I don't want to say I was the best artist of the scene, of the class, but I was probably up there. So something to do with art, some type of art award maybe would have been... I think yeah. proper. Um, yeah. Also, I knew everybody. <laughs> I talked to everybody, absolutely everybody. Um, where, where, where'd you go to high school? Four different high schools. Whoa. Uh, yeah, four different high schools. I moved around quite a bit. But crazy enough, though, three of them were in freshman year. Um, but So I went to high school in Richmond, Virginia for mm-hmm. just like a month or two. Louisville, Kentucky. And then um, Rochester, New York, and then graduated finally in Morristown, New Jersey. Um, wow! Yeah. What yeah. was all the? What, why all the moves? Uh, so my the mom military? never married my my biological father, mm-hmm. but the the guy that she she was uh, went to Germany with, they got a divorce. She moved back to to New York, and at the age of thirty, she got tired of being in New York. Yeah, and we moved to the South. And that was Richmond, Virginia. So I did middle school and then like a couple of months of high school there. And then she met my current stepdad, who I consider my real father. Yeah, yeah. Just because we're so tight. Um, He was in Louisville, Kentucky. They met through a mutual friend. We moved to where he was. He was making more money. And then Mm -hmm. he kept getting promoted. He's he's an editor at a newspaper. um, And he was with Gannett Papers at the time. He just kept getting promoted. So... Any anytime he got promoted, he would move. We would we would move uh, mm-hmm. to another city. So that was sort of the impetus for the moving. Um, but yeah, um, four different high schools, and uh, yeah, I, I I wasn't necessarily popular, but I knew everybody. I would talk to everybody. So yeah. yeah. Um, do you now? I moved a lot. I think I went to five. I moved like five different times for school, and mm-hmm. and I think like. I I know what that experience was for me. How it, you know you probably could go one or two ways if you're a kid who moves a lot. You're either like go super introvert and isolate, or yeah. you're an extrovert and you know everyone. You, you're really out there, and, yeah. I, and I think that's that's the route I took. Mm-hmm. Um, did in, it sounds like you went that way too? Yeah, I mean, I can tell from your career path and uh, <laughs> talking to you how how which direction that you went, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, same. Uh, after that first move from Virginia, well, Mount Vernon, moving from Mount Vernon really hurt, and moving from Richmond, Virginia, really hurt, just mm-hmm. because I was I had my footings in both of those places, and to be swiped up and move really just, uh, yeah, I felt that that pain of missing friends um, quite a bit. But um, yeah, I mean, I kind of thrived being in the new kid. Like it was it was a mystery to it, and I kind of just like enjoyed it. And then when that wore off, I still got to know as many people as I could. So it was, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how much even just that, that period shapes you and yeah. then how, 
and how, how you navigate the rest of your life. It's like, I'm, I'm, I feel very fortunate to have gone through that because it definitely made me way more outgoing than I think I probably ever would have been. Yeah, absolutely. And you think about, I don't know, did you go out of state for college? Uh, New York, but it was like three hours away from where I grew up. Got you. Yeah. yeah so I went to school in Ohio and going away to school felt like nothing. Cause it was just like, a, here we are again, moving, moving again. And then, you know, we got the opportunity to do a semester in Italy while in college. And that was a lot of kids first time outside of Ohio. I went to school in Ohio. Uh-huh. I'm just like, what? Like, you know, it was so yeah, uh, I was able to even thrive in Italy, got an internship there. So it was just like, I feel like that moving helped me like really understand people better and pursue mm. what I wanted to just based off of being able to talk to people and not being shy about stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And it definitely makes you adaptable, which, you know, I think exactly. as a as a creative person, it's, you know, one of the core core tenets and to to be able to get through this and yeah. through, you know, a creative career. Yeah. Um all right, question number 3. All right. Uh, what's your karaoke song? Wow. Uh, <laughs> probably like uh, something crazy. I like to dance while doing karaoke. I can't just. Oh yeah. I just mm-hmm. can't stand there. So it's like probably like Usher. You don't have to call or something like that. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of my karaoke songs, one of my top three, is uh, Usher. You make me wanna. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say I would say that one because I just like to. I just think about when I was young being Michael, trying to be uh-huh. Michael Jackson. And uh-huh. I feel like if I'm doing karaoke, I can't do like a ballad and just like stand there. and nah, You got to perform. Yeah, I got to do the whole nine yards. So, so wait, you got, you, do you have a moonwalk or do you do an usher slide or what do you got? I try to replicate all the movement that was done in the video for You Don't Have to Call. It's, it's a bad did scene, you, but I did try you to, lo- Did you learn the choreo? Yeah, my cousin and I in college, I think that song came out, and we when the we saw the choreography in that video, and we were like, "Wow!" Like, so we tried to we tried to replicate it. Yeah. Oh man, that's a, <laughs> so, so that's yeah, I bet you people just don't expect that you come up and do that, and they're like, "All right, cool, yeah, someone else is gonna do Usher," and that, and then you like got the whole thing down. But I have to be honest, I don't I don't do karaoke that often because I know I know myself and I know what I would call upon, and I'm not ready to embarrass myself <laughs> anymore. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll have to. I think we'll have to do a karaoke night. It was don't, good. Don't do it to me. Uh, okay, let's see. So, one is if you could steal one piece of art to hang in your home, what would it be? Wow. Um. All right. So I'm a big fan of Saul Lewitt. So yeah, but it would be one of those dynamic sculptures uh, that he has, like. Where he, he repetition of the squares, uh-huh. um, those are really beautiful. But if we go to the drawing stuff too, I, I you would, could, you could do one of those. You could do it on, on yeah, because that, that's right. He like he create the blueprint for everyone to sort of replicate um, replicate the work. But yeah, um, I'm a big fan of his. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's. Did you have you been to Mass Mocha? They have a massive been to Mass Mocha. Uh, yeah. Uh, been to Dia. They have a good section at Dia too. Dia Beacon. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. Really good. All right. Uh, last one. What was your favorite food as a kid? My favorite food as a kid is my favorite food now. It's shrimp. Uh, really? I go. I go to town on some shrimp. It doesn't you, matter. You were a you were a bougie kid. <laughs> Super bougie. <laughs> Super bougie. Um, it doesn't matter if it's fried, grilled, whatever. Um, Cocktail sauce, 
ketchup, barbecue yeah. sauce. I'll put anything on it or have it straight up. It's my favorite. Um, you, uh, you, you, I'm just picturing you and your imaginary friend eating shrimp cocktail uh, at like a five-year-old just like going to town on it. <laughs> he didn't have any, though. You didn't share. You didn't share. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Well, well, how like how have you been adapting now these past couple of weeks? Did you guys – the studio, obviously, everyone's working from home. Like, how many people are working in uh, – so we should do it all now. seven right now. If you count Sarah and I, it's seven, so it's five co-worker, co-workers. Um, it's strange. It's strange. Um, we're, I'm trying to find – I'm trying to be that glue uh, that's, that's keeping everything together. Uh, trying to keep Sarah's mind off of business with her being pregnant and all. Uh oh, here, here. Oh, oh, he might come in. Um, ah, get a little cameo. That'd be good. Hey, so you want to come say hello? Cool. Oh, he just looked he, at me like that's crazy. He's four. He just looked at uh, me like I'm crazy. Like, no, I'm good. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's five five coworkers, and we are. Um, I think we're we're doing okay on the graphic side of things. On the spatial side, it's like completely quiet, which I we expected. Yeah. Period. Come on, show your face. Show your whole face. He's brushing his teeth too. Oh, you What's up, Asa? <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, he's not yeah. a big fan of FaceTime type of well, thing. Well, he, he's not really into podcasting either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Only the children's ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Surprisingly <laughs> enough, they have some. But um, oh, let's go. Yeah, uh, so it's been a it's been an adjustment. Not being so used to having a place to go to uh, that we could call our other home, which was the studio, um, and not having that has been really weird. Um, but uh, we definitely understand it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy times right now. Um, and then from just if we can separate ourselves uh, or step out of ourselves and viewing how humans are interacting through this time and how we're going to act when things get really bad. Cause I don't think New York is there yet. Uh, no. You got to come, you can't talk and not show yourself. <laughs> Just come on, come say hello. Just it. That's it. And then you can go. All right, he's, he wants to act up, but yeah, he, just, yeah. just, just stepping out outside of ourselves and just seeing how humans are going to interact with each other um, now in the middle of this and then in the end when it's over um, and what's going to change and what's not. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty wild times. I, I, I didn't think I would live to see anything like this. I mean, 9-11 is the only thing I could think of. Uh, yeah. But I feel like this is actually worse. Uh, <laughs> just by that's it. But yeah, um, yeah, so it's it's been a huge adjustment, but I think we're starting to get our our our, our feet uh, grounded. Um, yeah, moving forward. Well, so. well, it felt like the first week was like the oh shit week, and like kind of shell shock, and then figuring out like how do we adapt to this new new normal. And yeah, it's it's nice hearing people say like they feel like they've been talking to their friends more than they ever have, uh, and it's like yeah, are we do our do you feel your priorities shifting? Yeah, um, already. Yeah. I mean, this even made me question. We have some work, but I'm just like, what does work really even mean right now? Like, it all seems so fickle. Mm -hmm. um, he's not necessarily famous, but a really good architectural writer and architect passed away the other day. Michael Sorkin, rest in peace. Um, but he's one of the he was one of the best architectural writers out there, and and that's the stuff I read and 
Um, like that's where it's just like, all right, everyone, nearly everyone that we know is going to know someone that has passed away. And I think we all got to get used to that. Um, it's definitely yeah. a new day. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That's a hard, that's a hard reality to come to. Yeah. Cause I, I, I feel like I'm still in denial of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. It's yeah. Crazy. Um, and then I think it's interesting talking about how, how we're going to change, how we're communicating during this and then after. And it's like, how are we also, how is creativity going to change? How is design going to change? Like is the, the work we're doing with these constraints of not being able to leave the house, you know, is that, is there going to be like a whole new era of, you know, whether it's animation or illustration or people just being craftier? Yeah. You know, you know what is this going to lead to? Because, yeah, you said you guys do a lot of architectural stuff, a lot of environments. Obviously, that's not as, uh, you know, not the work that's coming in right now. But, like, what do you see that you guys are working on or, or could be um, using the talents that you have? Because I think you, more than anybody, you're probably like, maybe let's go in a little bit to the background of why you guys are called we should do it all because yeah. i think that would help frame people's thinking on yeah, maybe absolutely. how you guys can navigate this yeah it was it was uh i saw i was reading a book in college for research uh working on it wasn't a thesis but it was like a thesis in our senior year it's a, a book called time enough for love by robert Heinlein. he's a sci-fi writer and i can't give you the full quote but i can i can give you a, a good amount but it, it says um a human being should be able to change a diaper con a ship Butcher a hog, plan an invasion, um, comfort the dying, give orders, take or take orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, pitch manure, uh, I think change a diaper. And it ends, there's more, but it ends with specialization is for insects. And uh, I read that one, it pertained to the project that we were working on, so we use that quote. But then even thinking about um, from a business point of view, it's like, oh, we should name the studio, we should do it all. Um, when when the studio happens finally, like that, that's the thinking, and it, it it stemmed from doing an internship in Italy and seeing an office called Studio Archea or Archea. They're in Florence is their home base, but they have an office in Rome in China as well, and uh, they were producing two architectural magazines in house. So it was a it was a, a studio full of architects, writers, graphic designers. Um, and seeing all this under one house was like, wow, okay, so this is really great. And uh, I kind of used that as a model for we should do it all in the sense that um, I had wanted to be an architect since I was 12 when my mother introduced me to Frank Lloyd Wright and Le Corbusier, Mies. She was on it for some reason. She wasn't a designer or artist herself, but she she knew of these mm. men. Um, and she put me on them. She saw I was drawing Nike shoes, designing Nike shoes and what have you. She's like, no, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make your money there. Won't you be an architect? And she was so wrong. It's kind of flipped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like now, now you're doing a bunch of projects for Nike. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like seeing seeing that uh, at a studio and being introduced to architecture at a young age, but then seeing that studio in Italy, it, it totally like I don't just have to be an architect. What if, what if I took on the title of designer and the, the, the role of the studio is taking on any type of project it can get, um, whether it be spatial, graphic, what have you. Uh, and that's sort of the mold that Sarah and I have taken. She's my partner and wife. Um, her background is in graphics. Mine is in architecture. And we kind of just merged those two. And, you know, we're slowly drifting into product design. And, um, yeah, there's, I think, 
there's other other things, other tasks that we want to do, other modes of design that we want to sort of challenge ourselves to do. And um, but we we believe in um, earning those stripes, um, putting in the hours, investigating, researching into those other modes of design and what that means. So yeah, that's kind of well. I think it's you know I've been having conversations about like self limiting mindsets. It's been coming up a lot in the past week through my coach and conversations I'm having with other creatives. Um, and to create a studio with the the goal from the beginning of not being self-limiting mm. is such a it's a probably it's a foresight that I, I think a lot of people wouldn't have. Mm. Um, and it, it suddenly frees you up to explore everything. Yeah, uh, which is pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, definitely. I think. Yeah, uh, that's what I really like about us, and we try to sell that uh, as much as possible. Uh, I think you know, I think it's human nature that people want to put a title on you or put you in a box in a certain certain way, um, and we tr- are constantly trying to fight that. Um, constantly trying to see, hold a mirror to ourselves, and see how the world sees us, and try to try to combat that um, if we can. It's not always a, an easy thing to do, of course. So yeah, yeah. yeah. How is it working with your wife? <laughs> These days, I mean, it's 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 fluid. Uh, yeah. In the early goings, it was a battle of, uh, or not a battle, but it was sort of like a a balancing act of. Um, wait, did she? What she just said? That critique was that personal, or was that was that, was that work? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and same on her side. So it was it was a lot of conversations of like, hey, at. And, and that's the thing. We were living and working together in the same space before we had a studio, before we had uh, co-workers, you know? So it was like wow. um, everything is kind of personal in that sense. Yeah. So so those conversations we had to sort of really sit down and it's like, what I'm saying to you is not, <laughs> it's not <laughs> personal. Um, so it, that took a lot of reworking. And in, in these days it's really fluid, but we also have to catch ourselves in making sure that um, – we speak to each other how we would speak to another coworker too. So it's yeah. Um, is is there a shift in the way you guys speak to each other when you're in the office or you're in work mode versus at home? Does it does it? Yeah, I think there's a shift. I feel like we're there's a there's it's comfortable on both sides, but yeah. it's totally uninhibited at home. Yeah. Um, and then also, I think what really helped me out, and I think this helps her, but on for me on a on a bigger level because I'm a workaholic is having a child really separated mm. um, not only spatially when we got the studio, but it really separated. Uh, when I get home, it's like that work stuff is out the window, like whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's more so now than ever before. So yeah, for sure. How, and now how has having a kid affected your career and you personally as a creative? Yeah. So uh, for a while, I mean, like I, I have the creative director title, but I didn't really want to be a creative director. I always thought of myself as a designer and I'm in it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, sitting down with a studio consultant, um, uh, even Sarah telling me like when we, and when we brought on, when we had our first child, we brought on our first coworker, uh, Adrian shout out, um, been with us the longest, um, that forced me to take on a different role. All of these things, like having, mm. having Asa bringing on Adrian, um, it forced me to sort of step up and be more hands off. Um, and I still, to this day fight that 
where mm. I want to be in it, in it, in it, in it, but I can't uh, to the to the same degree that I used to be. Um, I still get to have some projects where I can sort of take a little bit of ownership on. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's it's letting the team be the team and and supporting us uh, and me being creative director and trying to support them. Yeah, uh, so like you, you almost had to become a dad at home and at work. About it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, more hands off at work and more hands on at, at home. Um, yeah, for sure. Do you think as Ace has grown and you you know the the way you you know introduce ideas or give feedback to a kid has that even changed the way you give feedback at work now? Ah. Uh, No, I think the I think the basic rules of like starting off positive, mm-hmm. and then you can go into more of like a, a critique. I feel like yeah. those rules are are really good foundation <laughs> uh, uh-huh. for 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 talking design or talking ABCs or one two threes like uh-huh. drawing for him. Yeah, exactly. It's the same way. Like give him some positive feedback uh, uh, as the same same rule that how we would talk to our team is like, yeah. Um, I think yeah, it, that makes sense. Yeah. It's just a good entryway. Um, yeah. So yeah. Also designers, we could be really sensitive too. So as children. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I, I like hearing a, So your mom didn't have a creative background, but she, you know, felt yeah, the importance know. of designing. I don't know how okay. she knew uh, some prominent architects. Frank Lloyd Wright was the number one person that she introduced me to, but yeah, she told me about Le Corbusier, and I, th- I think I discovered Mies on my own, but yeah, she knew those two guys. And um, what, was, yeah, what was her background? What did she do? Uh, so she first introduced me to the, those to architecture in Virginia, and at the time, she, was the, she worked in the cabinet as a secretary for D- Governor Doug Wilder, who was the first African-American governor of Virginia. Um, oh, wow. Which in the South, that's a that's a It's huge, huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she was she wasn't necessarily in politics, but she was helping support that 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 team. And um, so she worked. I think she worked in his campaign, and then they liked her so much. She she he retained her as you know in her cabinet. So uh, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, and so and then she just she found a way to get that to you. Now, yeah. do you do you feel are you being very intentional with what you introduce Asa to? Like the types of yeah <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yeah yeah like I'm 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 trying to raise as many designers as possible man <laughs> <laughs> he's he's gonna go a different route I'm sure he's gonna be a theater kid or something the way that he's acting these days is is pretty uh, amazing but um yeah I'm I'm showing him images of our work I'm showing him images of 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 great designers uh, artists we love taking them to museums yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really trying to put a, a, a stake in the ground there for sure. Uh, well, and you're also introducing him to great music because I, I <laughs> found your Instagram stories and you guys you guys put on good records oh, and that thanks, man. in Thank the you. schoolhouse. And I'm just like, all right. But there's been times where you put something on and I'm like, oh, I got to go listen to that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. That's that's a yeah. huge compliment. Uh, yeah, I think you know, like, I think it just goes a long way to introduce kids to art of all of all sorts. So. Yeah, um, if he could have that influence growing up, that that's outstanding. For him. we did our part, I think. Yeah, 
And then, yeah, how is it, has it shifted much now that you guys are home all the time with him? Oh, yeah, it shifted uh, quite a bit. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, he's, not, he's not quite at school age yet, right? So it's not like he has no, homework he's and in, stuff. He's in, but, yeah. he's in daycare, and they yeah. actually did a, they actually did a uh, Zoom conference call of all the daycare kids. It was like 10 of them. Uh, <laughs> all little screens, all talking cute. at the same time. It was hilarious. But, uh, yeah, it's been a, quite a shift. Uh, any Any person who has a child... In the day of Corona, like God bless us, <laughs> um, it's it's tough. Uh, luckily, there's two of us. I mean, we could be yeah. could be like my mom for a period of time, like single parent. So uh, yeah, we're blessed in that sense. But we try to trade off time. If if I have a deadline, my wife is uh, totally understanding and more power to her. Um, yeah, but yeah, we try to do the trade offs. Uh, half day, I'm with them. Half day, she's with them. Yeah, and also just trying to find a routine, but also change things up, taking them outside, uh, working on alphabet numbers, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, uh, but there also we have those times where it's just like, yeah, let's stick them in front of a TV because we need to get some stuff done. So, <laughs> but we're we're not trying to feel guilty about it. It's just it's a new it's a new time, and we got we got to have to we're gonna have to adjust. So yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing right now. It's like you know, it's easy to get hard on ourselves with the things that we're doing or not doing. It's like yeah. you gotta do whatever can get you through right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <clears throat> um, that's cool. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, uh, cool. but then we're gonna be back with more from Jonathan. This episode of Overshare is brought to you by Stop Being a Selfish Asshole and Stay the Fuck Home. We don't give a shit what you do as long as you stay the fuck at home. You can eat a tuna peanut butter and jelly sandwich or do weird stuff when you bone. Fart a bunch or pick your nose. Just stay the fuck at home. All right, and we're back. Now, this next section is called This Might Get Uncomfortable. Uh, this is the oversharey section of the interview. Uh, and so we'll, we'll kick it right off with what's one thing you've never shared in an interview before? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Man, that could be a range of things. It just depends on how how grimy I want to get, I guess. Huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, oh man, that's a, a tough question. Um, I love sex. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't get interviewed much, so that won't be you know too drastic. But yeah, yeah. And you, you got go. you got proof. You got you got baby number two on the yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. So, so Hard you're, proof. You're, yeah, you're, you're pretty good at it. There you go. <laughs> so good. What a great answer. Uh, so good. I just yeah. make sure my mom doesn't listen to this one. So yeah. Oh, she'll be proud. <laughs> She's gonna have another cute grandbaby because yeah, of that. So yeah. exactly, exactly. Do you have? Do you feel you have something to prove? Oh yeah, um, absolutely. What's been really interesting is hearing previous overshares. And how and how kind everybody is, and I'm, and I'm like, what do you mean, kind to themselves? Kind to the world, like uh, even mm. listening to Shauna, um, and I think Archie said something too. I feel like I got a monkey on my back. I got, I got, um, I don't know where it comes from, but yeah, I'm like, I want to take everyone's head off. Uh, it's almost like <laughs> Kendrick's control verse, where like, all right, Studio Lynn, Pentagram, I'm making a list, and I'm like. Let's let's do this. <laughs> um, I'm coming for you. Yeah, yeah I'm coming for you. <laughs> um, no, like the people. I'm and and I know the question's coming, but like I, we admire a lot of people out there. But 
I'm, I'm putting a stake in the ground. Like, yeah, we're here. We're not going nowhere. Like, so yeah, I, I have, I feel like I have something to prove. That's all like made up for sure, but it keeps mm-hmm. me going. And it keeps me hungry. But you're competitive, um, so like you, yeah. you 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 play basketball, right? Yeah. Like you you yeah. you have that competitive competitive spirit and drive that doesn't go away when you shift yeah. shift to shift to business. Exactly. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm on Instagram. Like, oh, I wish we could have done that. Or okay, they did that. Okay, let's 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 go harder. So yeah, yeah I, I, I'm 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 in it. Let's let's do let's go let's go. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> Now, uh, We Should Do It All has done, you know, you guys have done quite a few beautiful projects that really honor the African-American experience from the, the museum, uh, the National Mall, like the, what was it, Men of Change? Yeah, the traveling show. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like really, really beautiful work. And like, do you feel an added pressure or responsibility to tell those stories? So, yeah, before before where I, I, I didn't, I, I'll, I'll be honest in the sense that Maybe being in the in my twenties, maybe drifting into the, the the lower thirties, I was like, no, I'm just I'm just a designer. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it was, but like maybe it was the mood of the country, or like that's never changed. But like the older I got, the more comfortable I I, I became as a with myself as a black man and what it means in this country. Mm. Um, so I do take it upon myself. My wife is white. But she is certainly an ally um, in the sense of uh, we have we we see ourselves as a studio to be a a vessel to tell to tell these stories, these incredible stories of uh, hardship and, uh, you know, triumphant um, returns. And, um, yeah, just being able to tell these dynamic stories of of black people and and, yeah, we we see that as a major responsibility, and proud of proud of the work, and proud that we can we'll be able to show our sons what mm. what their parents did uh, one day. I mean, we showed Asa, but he was a baby at yeah. the, the museum in DC. But uh, and, and he's been back, but uh, when he's like twelve, boy, he'll get a better understanding of what's going on. Um, yeah, I think if we never get to work on anything again, those two those two projects alone is just like wow. So yeah. Um, yeah, definitely see it as a responsibility. And and do you feel like those are now more of those projects coming your way because you've done those before? Or are you seeking out um, other projects uh, like that? I wouldn't say that we seek out. Um, word of mouth has been so good to us. Um, mm-hmm. And we've walked away from some other exhibitions that just didn't feel right or the subject mm-hmm. matter just didn't feel right. But also as a studio mentality, if we're doing one type of project uh, too much, we right. tend to go to the other side yeah. um, and look for other things. So uh, if we're doing too many exhibitions or too many websites or too many identities, it's like, all right, let's go see what what else. Can yeah, we you're not see? you're not doing it all if you're g- going down one route so heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So. Yeah, uh, and I know we've had some conversations in the past, like w- w- about diversity within the creative industry. Like, what do what are people still getting wrong about it, or do you think like because it's like, and part of the question, the previous question was like about the responsibility to tell it because there's so few black designers in the in the industry. Yeah, still as much as you know, people are putting a focus on diversity and bringing more inclusion. It's just like it doesn't seem like it's happening. Yeah, I think what. The essence of what gets missed is what P- 
people of color bring to the table. Mm-hmm. If you really think about American culture, yeah, and what it stems from, mm-hmm. you can look to people of color who um, have been really the backbone of the country for such a long since since its beginning. <laughs> um, Literally, yeah, yeah, uh, and I feel like, yeah, okay, if you have person A who's maybe a white guy with a great portfolio and you have person B who a black woman whose portfolio may not be as strong, but you look to these people of color and what they can bring to the table from, if you look at the major companies like Nike, Google, Apple, they're all borrowing from culture that mm-hmm. has existed here for a long time. And, and who's harvesting, who's harvesting this culture, who's creating it is, is, Uh, people of color and I feel like to have different takes in the room is so important and it's not to say like you shouldn't hire the white guy no he's bringing something great to the table too but I think what gets lost is um, the actual strategic thinking what what it means to have a a diverse room and having these different voices in the room and how that influences design I think that's a lot of what's missing or that people don't understand. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think they bring value on multiple levels and not just design. It's, it's the background where they grew up, how they see things differently um, than what's typically done uh, in the graphic design world, architecture world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Especially, it seems like, especially if you're a company that is creating culture and, and, exactly. and you're, and you're that the work you're putting out is visibly having an impact. It's like you have this responsibility to not just, yeah appropriate but to to actually yeah, exactly include exactly. yeah um yeah it's uh and i think you guys are doing a great job of like just the the work and the stories you're telling um and even the work you've been doing which you know you introduced me to uh the women from scope of work oh yeah and, and, yeah, and the work and they do. yeah, yeah. Uh, and they've it, been they've been essential in helping us um think along those lines of hiring um not just the right person but yeah just giving like um, giving our chance ourselves a chance to hear different voices. Uh, I think we've Sarah and I've really tried to culture cultivate a, a studio environment that feels like people you want to hang out with outside of work. And yeah, uh, 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 the the type of people that we hang out with is a di- diverse group. So why why yeah. wouldn't we want to work like that too? So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to put in the show notes a link to Scope of Work and their Instagram and their site because, like, the work they're doing and you're, yeah. you know, you're an advisor to them and helping them do that. Like, they're super, uh, super inspiring. I had a, I met with them what, a month or two ago and was just like blown away. But the, the, the amount that they're taking on to support young people of color in the creative industry from what 17 to 24, yeah, uh, it's just, it's, 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 it's incredible. Yeah. No, Geneva spoke highly of you and the conversation you guys had. She texted me right after. I was like, all right, great. Ah, nice. Finally, finally you guys got to sit down. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like, uh, your ambition ever gets in the way of your happiness? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, no, I don't think, I, I think unfortunately they might be living together too closely mm, <laughs> where yeah. when a, when a project is has ended or dies or whatever may be the case uh my happiness is dependent on that work and mm-hmm. when it ends it's like 
uh, I feel kind of empty. Yeah. Um, I've experienced that less and less as I've gotten older, but it's certainly that was the case for a very long time where my happiness was tied to, to work. But having a kid, um, that really puts every, a lot of things in perspective of is like, yeah, that stuff is actually not that important. So my mentality has grown as I've gotten older where I'm, I'm less stringent on like holding tight onto these, these projects from an emotional point of view. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is so that. hard. It's so hard not to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's like we, we identify like <laughs> a lot of times our self-worth on the work that we're putting out into the world yeah. and waiting yeah. for that validation. It comes with a lot of maturity to be able to, you know, and a, a maturity and uh, other interests that fulfill you. <laughs> exactly. I think that's one thing. Uh, not that I go out to parties so much anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let me, sorry, I'm going to close something. But um, I'm not going out to being so as social as I used to be. But that's one thing I noticed too with myself is I would so rely on that question of, oh, so what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I've become far less reliant on that and being able to talk about multiple different subject matters. And uh, I, maybe that comes with age too, but I feel like that's also tied to that idea of not, not being so um, part or paired with the work as, as I used to be. We were on a virtual huddle a couple weeks ago, and Amelie Lamont said she'd heard about like the just the distinction of how the language you use to describe what you do. So, mm. like, you know, a lot of times we say I'm a designer, mm. and, as opposed to I'm someone who does design. Mm. Because when you go and say I'm a designer, I'm an illustrator, I'm a photographer, it is your complete identity. Mm. But when you say, oh, I'm someone who takes photographs, I'm someone who does illustration. Yeah, it doesn't, how rarely it doesn't, do you hear that? Like, I, yeah, I don't hear anyone describe themselves no. as that. But I mean, even if it's just internally, it's such a nice, it's such a helpful shift of language to go. Oh yeah, I'm more than just this job title. Yeah, which is hard because you spend like you know, college, high school, college years, everything trying to achieve that status and that badge and that credibility of being that thing. Yeah, but it's like that that one shift has even helped me, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, it's just it's yeah. very, it's a That's, little bit, it's a little freeing. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to try to take that on. Got to get used to saying it, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what's been the most challenging point in your career? Um, I think the most challenging was probably like the mix of having a new child, bringing on Adrian as a coworker. Uh, and it, and it, it had to do with that part I've mentioned before of like being able to let go of, mm-hmm. um, and being an actual creative director and not being a designer anymore. Um, that was probably the most challenging part of the, our work. Um, I mean, of course we've had our battles with clients, but I don't feel like anything that didn't like emotionally shake me so much. I feel like yeah. th- that being able to mature and adjust, uh, that was probably the most challenging aspect of it. Yeah, because uh, I, I had been comfortable in a role for probably, I don't know, I'm just guessing maybe 10 years. And then uh, having a child and Adrian at the same time, it was like, oh, wow, okay, I can't I can't go about things how I used to. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we're facing a, a new challenge. I think this, the, the, the idea of having a studio with, during this time is going to be a new challenge. Um, it's going to be difficult, too. Yeah. 
And are you guys, uh, are you ones to do self-initiated projects or is most of your, your time spent on client work? Uh, yeah, it's 99%, but we have two projects that are going to be self-initiated that we're pretty excited about. One's a book and then one's an exhibition, um, self-initiated, self-thinking, um, studio, all studio based. So it's multiple people, not just myself, but, um, yeah. yeah, um, really excited about those. Yeah, that's great. And you might have a little more time to do that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I guess you might have just tackled this a little bit in the previous question, but like, what are you struggling with right now? Yeah, so I've never been the greatest communicator. (laughs) Uh, So it's it's really, and I don't think it's like because because we're still new to this era of Corona, but I need to make sure while I'm here in the studios in different places, we're operating in these different satellite positions that I am the glue in the sense of uh, everyone's, I'm talking to everyone every day. Everyone's on their, on their game, on their tasks. Um, it's so much easier to do in person. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think that's, that's the tough part. Um, yeah. Just coming from, a place where I really kind of like, not, I don't want to say worried about myself, but, mm-hmm. um, I could rely on Sarah. She, she knew what she was designing. I knew what I was designing and yeah, I just, I just need to find better ways to, uh, be more communicative, um, yeah. as much as possible during these times. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also, it's also, you know, just from running my own company, knowing that it's, it's hard to be the glue all the time and stay positive all the time. Like it takes, it's, it takes its toll, especially with so much uncertainty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, and then with a new child on board or coming very soon, that, that role of being communicator, I'm going to have to, uh, we're crazy enough that we hired two new people at this moment too. Wow. Um, So getting them accustomed to some type of flow during this time is just like, wow. Um, but when the baby comes, it's like all hands off. I'm I'm gonna be 100 making sure that she's okay and our son, our new son is okay. Yeah. Um, Do you so guys yeah, plan on taking time off? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, good. Uh, for sure. Um, and the, one of the new roles that we hired was a studio manager, project manager. So like, yeah, um, that that'll be super helpful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there anything that people get wrong about you or your work? Not about me personally. I don't think. I don't think anybody's thinking about me. Um, <laughs> but as, as a studio, uh, I mean, we we definitely get typecast as like the sports go to studio. Uh, and while I love sports, I, if if uh, if I had never had to see a ball the, again for a while, <laughs> I'm I'm good. I, yeah. I like taking on different subject matters. I mean, I feel like yeah, don't handcuff us. We we can. That's why I'm I'm like really I try to be aware of what we put out there uh, into the world. Um, unfortunately, I mean we fortunately and fortunately we work with Nike quite a bit, but we don't show all of our Nike work. Right. Um, but anytime that we're doing something not associated with sports, we're definitely trying to put it out there just because we love working with architects. We love mm-hmm. um, working within the museum world or what have you. So. Um, yeah, think about it. So you're you're being very deliberate about the work that you're showing. Like you, you want to show the work that you want to do more of. Um, so to 
applying some editing to to your promotion. Yeah, exactly. Um, smart. Yeah, and then, I mean, Corona changes everything, absolutely everything. But you know, we were just about to go through like a LinkedIn cold calling of like, all right, what brands do we really want to work for? Yeah, it may not be in our portfolio, but hopefully they have the foresight to see in the portfolio that they can adjust to different subject matters. So we were just about to do that. And I think once, once things get back to some normalcy, we'll continue to do it. At least what we can do is start to collect some names. Well, you can um, even, I guess now. you could even do that now. Like, I think that's been a big question that's come up a lot in the past couple of weeks. Like, should I be self-promoting right now? Should I be reaching out to people for yeah. work? And, and, you know, I think my answer has been yes, because like this isn't like work doesn't stop and, mm-hmm. and it's not like people have problems that need solutions and they mm-hmm. need help solving. And if you approach it with like, Hey, what can I help you with? Yeah. It's like, you're just a, a resource that can like help save their ass and make them look good. You know, <laughs> like people still stuff is still going on. So it's yeah. like, I wouldn't shy away from it or, or it's time to forge and build relationships now. Yeah. And then exactly. when the right things come along, like, yeah, yeah. like what do you want to do that you haven't done yet? Or who do you want to collaborate with that you haven't, collaborated with yet I, I would love to do some work for i mean i know fashion's a tough place um that industry is tough but i would love to do have some clientele within that mm-hmm. um sarah talks about food uh adrian talks about food so like talking to i don't know if it's seeking out chefs or finding people within that food industry like getting into that um yeah, I mean, we 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 know some people at Google. We know some people at Apple. We've done some work for Google. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily attracted to working with them per se, but I feel like it's it, it's gonna be it's gonna be something different that we haven't touched upon. And I think that challenge of just mm-hmm. diversity is more appealing to me than I would say fashion or food. I feel like. As long as we are working on different types of subject matters, delivering different um, mediums, I think that's what I find more interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's probably some good opportunities within even like Google X uh, yeah. and and the challenges they're taking on because I think you guys are pretty adept at telling stories and, mm. and telling stories holistically and yeah, be able yeah. to, like to tackle some of those like world defining problems yes. uh, through yeah. your lens could be yeah. could be pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think th- that's something that we're going to pursue. Uh, yeah. But do it tactically. I think the right approach. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's your biggest fear? Uh, I mean, yeah. Frankly, if the studio had to shut down, if I had to get a job, if I had to get a job, another job, this mm-hmm. doesn't even feel like a job to be honest with you. Like. Mm-hmm. The type of people I work with, what we're doing, uh, yeah, it just doesn't feel like work. And I know what work is. I, I did internships. I did. I worked at two architecture studios. I, that felt like work. And yeah, I don't. That's my biggest fear is going back to that. Yeah, uh, that's that's a real fear. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. Uh, more than ever now. So yeah. Well, I guess I guess the reality is like whatever it is, it's only temporary. Like it, you know, it used to be like, oh, if I, you know, if you have to close down a business or you lose your job and you have to move home with your parents, like there was, 
you know, I think a little bit of pride, bruised pride and ego and shame. And now like, I think everyone's going to be going through the same thing. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, if you have to take a job for six months or a year until things start up again, and then it's like, mm. you know, you still own the URL, <laughs> you yeah. know, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, and it's not, it wouldn't be that hard to turn it back on again. So yeah. it's like, whatever it is, it's only temporary. No, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are there any ways you self-sabotage? Yeah, I mean, I think I think procrastination is yeah self-sabotaging, and I'm a king at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've always been a night owl, like from the get-go. So procrastination always leads to like, oh, I'll get it done, mm-hmm. and it's usually like 3 a.m. when I'm trying to get it done and kind of brain dead. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's uh, that's that's definitely self self sabotaging. I find then, there's a sweet spot though, like at like a certain time of night when my brain slows down just enough mm-hmm. where I can actually focus. Yeah, and there's not the being pinged with text and emails and the distraction. Like there is like For a sure. couple hours of like, all right, it, still of the night, I can actually like be really productive. But then after that, yeah, then I'm brain dead. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think this gets back to that split personality of creative creative director designer where mm-hmm. creative director is from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. but or these days mm-hmm. uh 5 p.m. <laughs> yeah <laughs> gotta, yeah. gotta get home yeah uh, but then from 8 8 p.m. to i think my sweet spot is like really like 8 p.m. to to midnight is mm-hmm. where a creative director is off and designer is in and that's where i can like really start to produce stuff yeah. um but i feel like Midnight and after, I kind of start to get a little brain dead if it's not just pr- pr- production work. Right. Yeah. So if it's just executing and copy and pasting and resizing yeah. things, it's like cool. You could do that, but yeah, I'm sure ha- once you have a kid, it helps you with your time management quite a bit as well. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but still trying to get that in order too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not gonna yeah, lie. Not yeah, gonna yeah. Lie. yeah. Um, now, do you, do you have any regrets? I mean, there's like some projects maybe we shouldn't have turned down that turned out to be like something nice, but I wouldn't say I I, I regret it. Uh, no regrets. No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, yeah. Who who makes you jealous? Ooh. Well, maybe jealous is not the right word, but people yeah. that we admire. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a list on both the graphic side, architecture side, installations. Um, I don't think anyone makes me jealous. I I mean, if I look back at my life, I've I got a person who understands me day in day out that we have such a back and forth it's amazing got a great kid so not jealous from a life point of view but right. like work wise I mean I admire so many people um graphic side studio Lynn I mentioned them earlier shout out to Alex um play lab they're doing mm-hmm. amazing stuff I can't can't knock not knock the hustle at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, OKRM. I don't know if you know them out of London. No. Look at their stuff, and it's just like, oh, come on. Um, from an architecture point of view, so many young studios. I mean, the OMAs, the Herzog de Marans, those are giants that, of course, you admire. But yeah, there's some young studios on the architecture side that are doing great stuff. Um, Peterson Ridge Office. Um, uh, I'm kind of going brain dead, but um, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. So ill. Um, they did. Uh, they're working on a couple of things that uh, we're collaborating with them on a project right now. Pretty oh, excited awesome. about. Yeah. 
um, yeah, there's so many good studios that I'm just like, yeah, please keep feeding, keep feeding my brain. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice sure. to, it's a nice perspective to have too, cause it's just having people that inspire you just keeps you like you were talking about earlier, like, all right, cool. Yeah. The bar yeah, just yeah. got, the bar just got raised. All right. Yeah. And I, I got to work harder. Exactly. Exactly. And I admire the hell out of that work, but, um, yeah, I want to. What did Kendrick say? I want to make sure your fans never heard of you before. Like, they... <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just joking. It's it's all love, but yeah, no, nah, admiration is strong in the studio, and and not being afraid to admit that you look at other people's work, I think, is important too. So yeah, it's, you're not the only one around. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, exactly. uh, I'm going to link to all those in the show notes too, so if anybody wants to check them cool. out, they can. Yeah. Uh, what's been your proudest moment? Oh, definitely. Uh, aside from child, our child being born, uh, definitely in the museum. If we're con- talking about project work, it's mm-hmm. the National Museum of African American History in D.C. Uh, went to the opening um, opening day, which had everyone, Oprah, Will Smith, the Obamas, everybody was there. Um, I think I cried at least five or six times that day. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just like... Well, we ourselves worked on it for three and a half years, close to four, um, with Ralph Applebaum and Associates, who um, were the, the head leading exhibition designers for the space. Uh, and they hired us to design the third floor galleries. And yeah, just to walk up, take that. We, we did the Slavery to Freedom galleries and saw all that. Mm. And we got to work on that from a strategic point of view very early on. But that was mostly uh, Applebaum's work. But then to take the escalator to the third floor and then see exactly what you designed, completely built, mm. um, where so, you know so many eyes are going to be there. Presidents walk through there. The NBA walks through there. Like, it's crazy. So, um, yeah, I almost get emotional mm. <laughs> every time I think about that day. But, yeah, uh, that's easily the most proud I've been of of a work situation. And I don't think it was our best work, but it was just like, it's impactful. Yeah, it's impactful, and we did right by the stories that, it, that need to be told, and I feel like you can't take that away from us. So, Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, what is success to you? Uh, in half of Jonathan, third person talk, uh-huh. success, success has already been achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other half, that part that I talk about Kendrick, and like, I'll, I'll, success will always be like, out of my grasp. It just never will be uh, the case. And I think I need both sides. Like if I'm, not, if I don't have both sides of that, then I'm screwed. If, or if, if that becomes imbalance, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife's mad at me or my child's mad at me or uh, a coworker is mad at me. So it's like, um, yeah, I need to have that balance of both hunger and realizing that we've done really well. Um, from what we came from and uh, like making sure that I understand and appreciate that, but always not losing sight of keeping the hunger as well, that fight. Yeah. What would Jonathan from 10 years ago think of Jonathan today? <laughs> oh, wow. It's crazy how I listen to all your interviews and still can't answer this one. Um, oh, this is a, this is a new question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I've heard this one before, but it's just still like, wow. Um, uh, 
I think I think the thirty year old Jonathan would be super proud. Um and hopefully would recognize some growth. And then um And then the 40-year-old Jonathan would look, be talking to the 30-year-old Jonathan like, you need to do this. You need to fix this. You need to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, if, man, if I only knew then what I know now, it's just like, damn. But life, I feel like that's, that's how I define genius, too. It's like mm. geniuses come somehow short in time. I think that's the only difference. They, they can see things ahead of time than than the the average person and i feel mm. like that's what separates genius from just a typical person is like the 30 year old genius knows how things need to be 10 years from now or what have you so it's just like uh thinking and and thinking about things like that and seeing how my son is growing every day and that process is like oh man if i could just if i could just shake him and just Say like, oh, if you just knew this, if you just knew that. But life doesn't work like that. It just yeah. doesn't. And it's hard to get. Sometimes when you think about things like this, it's just like, it almost hurts in a way. <laughs> well, because I, even if someone came back and told you all that stuff, doesn't yeah. mean you're ready to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. That's that's it. And I, I even think about Kobe, you mm. know, the passing of Kobe, like a savant. LeBron's a savant. And I feel like the like their genius is actually in the sense that they know the game so well as a retired player or someone who's just been in it for so long, but still have the physical capabilities to do whatever they want. And it's, it's almost like, again, the shrinking of time in a way. Um, mm. Yeah. So I love that. That's great. Uh, now this piggybacks right on there. If your sons are listening to this interview, this conversation 20 years from now, what do you want them to know about you? Uh, that I love sex? No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I would like them to know like that their father treated everyone, tried to treat everyone the same, and that was with kindness. I think that's... I can't be an open door to everybody, but I like the idea that I walk through life every day. If I meet someone, they're going to get the best of me. And um, putting that in the forefront, and and um, I think that's that's what I would love for them to understand about their father if they could if they could hear this. Yeah, kindness to everybody. I think you just got me, man. <laughs> get, get a little misty get a little misty <laughs> no that's great that's really great uh last question how are you feeling right now uh today's been good i uh i started off the day trying to get some stuff out out the out the email of apologies to to Mora about that um mm. fell short on her end but um i feel good i feel like uh Understanding, waking up, taking that moment to understand that, like, uh, we're going through this crazy moment right now. But if we can find those moments of just like pause and 
reflection on what's really important and then attacking the day that way, I think is, is good. Uh, I feel like it's, it's all, it's actually necessary to keep some sort of sanity. Um, yeah. cause, cause I'm a news freak too. Um, like while I work, I have CNN playing in the headphones and, oh man, <laughs> yeah. And usually, I mean, most of it is just like, I like to have some presence of someone talking. I'll listen to podcasts, what have you. Mm-hmm. But, um, it also subconsciously is probably wearing on me a lot, not, you know, not thinking about it so much, uh, but yeah. it's just there. So like finding those, those moments of, uh, of recluse and understanding what's important and making sure I'm talking to, to the people in my life. Um, yeah. so things are good, uh, as well as they can be Yeah. for us. We're, we're so, uh, privileged and thank, thankful for, for the environment that we've created for ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Good luck with baby number two in a month month or so. And, uh, you know, just I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Thank you, man. I'm glad. Uh, this is, this has been awesome. And, uh, thank you for the team too. You got a good, you got a good system. Um, good people got your back holding you up. So you're definitely right there. It's it's nice. It's really nice. Uh, and then when, when this is all over, we'll go watch the, the Celtics win and maybe go see a playoff game or something. Yeah, that'd be dope. All right, awesome. Thanks, dude. Jonathan, thanks for such a fun and sincere conversation. Don't worry, I don't think your mom will be embarrassed what you uh, divulged in there. And also, congrats and good luck with Ace's little brother on the way. And please subscribe, rate, and review over share. It's a way other people can discover us. And if you found any part of the uh, episode insightful or helpful, send it directly to a friend right now. They've got some time on their hands, and, th- and I'm sure they really enjoy hearing from you and hearing from Jonathan. We also have sound bites and, and collages of Jonathan's work and videos on our Instagram at Overshare Talks that are easily shareable as well. Now, thank you to our audio engineer and editor, Jesse Peterson, and the team at Second Child in New York City. Thank you to our producer, Moira Spahich. Thank you to Eugene Ong and Gabby D'Amato for the Overshare branding and the collages that you can find on our Instagram. And our thanks to Caleb Grow for our theme song, Let It Grow. Now, if you are a creative or someone who hires incredible creatives, we would love to have you join us at workingnotworking.com. Uh, we are a curated network of the best creatives in the universe. And companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, Airbnb, Nike, Wyden and Kennedy, Droga5, all use Working Not Working to hire freelance and full-time talent. So if you are one of those top creatives in the industry or someone who like, likes to or wants to hire those top creatives in the industry, please join us at workingnotworking.com. And if you want to participate in any of the events we have going on pretty much every day, uh, you can sign up there as well and you will get the invites. And that's it for this episode. Don't touch your face. Take a minute to reach out to someone and check in on them. And we are going to get through this. Just stay the fuck home. The quicker we stay home, the quicker I get out of this pillow fort of a VO booth. And I would really appreciate to get back to normal as soon as possible. So stay home. Love each other, be kind to each other, and we'll get through this. Thank you.